This is the Jay Che Show, brought to you by Karate Beyond. Discipline, focus, confidence. KarateBeyond.com. Let's begin. Jay Che Show, episode 114. I'm here with PJ Gadimi. Am I, am I pronouncing your last name right? You got it. Okay, all right. Uh, he is uh, my sensei, if you will, of exotic car hacks, luxury car hacks. Um, I found you years ago uh, through, I think it was like, I was on a Tim Ferriss podcast. And for whatever reason, your uh, stuff came up. Maybe it was just through an ad on Facebook or, or Instagram. I don't know. And uh, it got me thinking at the mo- at the time, my wife and I had a minivan, a minivan and a Volkswagen Jetta. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm tired of the minivan. We probably need to step up the game a little bit. And, and from what I've heard, you've been stepping up the game. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a smidge. Now, I haven't been uh, posting, uh, you know, and sharing the success stories of, of uh, hacking my way into nice cars. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't done Ferraris or anything like that, but, uh, you know. Yet, from, yet. Yet, yet, right. Yet. So going from Maserati, Quadraportes, right, the 2011 to 13 is the sweet spots, to um, the last one was, it's a funny enough, a Ford Mustang, but not your average run-of-the-mill Mustang. It's, uh, it is the RTR Spec 2. That's the game, man. Like as long as you can drive it, enjoy it, and then get out of it and make some money or even break even, then better than most people are doing with their cars today, you know? All right. So, uh, so PJ, uh, give us a little bit about your backstory. I know you've, you know, done, you know, many podcasts now and talking to a bunch of hosts, but, uh, you know, give us the skinny. I'll give you as as quickly as I can. I started working. Well, I was born very poor. Uh, as let me rephrase that. I was born very rich. Uh, in Iran. And then uh, after the revolution, I ended up very poor with a single mother uh, in France. Grew up past that. uh, And eventually we lost it all like multiple times till we finally ended up in America. At 14, I was a telemarketer. By 18, I was the director of that same company without a green card. And then when I finally got my papers, I ended up being the youngest bank manager in the US at 18. Uh, Then followed through and became the youngest executive VP for a bank at 23. Uh, created airport banking for that bank. And then at 25, I was fired. So I founded my first uh, investment company, which was the world's first investment company that allowed people to invest in alternative assets, which was cars, watches, and art back in 2005. Uh, that required at least a 5 million minimum capital to get in. Uh, I ran that company for about 10 years, uh, like did a really, really good job. I mean, we built our revenue up to almost $300 million a year. Uh, it was just a very successful all-around fund, and it was a lot of fun, right? Uh, out of that fund, we created some incredible algorithms uh, to understand kind of the car markets, the art market, and the watch market from an asset standpoint, rather than just looking at it from an acquisition standpoint. And we were making these investments on these large funds, you know, buying hypercars and exotic cars that were rare, et cetera. And uh, back in 2009, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this can't last forever. I'm the only one doing this, you know, and in five years, I'll probably have hundreds of competitors. People will catch on to what I'm doing. So I was like, maybe it's time to start thinking about the future. And so halfway through that company's life where I was doing the best they could possibly do, I started looking at to what does the future look like? And I started establishing online companies 
like Secret Entourage, uh, which was my first one. It was a big organization that basically uh, started the whole craze of podcasts and people being interviewed about success, et cetera. And this was back in 2009, uh, early 2009, going into 2010. We became really big in 2011 uh, to 2013 with the launch of my new book, Third Circle Theory. Um, I launched the book basically on self-awareness that became really, really uh, well-received by audiences, sold well over 3 million copies now. And it was a self-published book. So it was a big deal for a self-published book to sell that many copies. And it brought a lot of attention to kind of my online community of business, entrepreneurship, and everything else. And then since then, I kind of used all of this uh, knowledge and technology, internet marketing, social media, and everything else that basically shaped Secret Entourage to be what it is. And I said, well, what am I really good at? And it was basically all of these tools uh, and all of these things about alternative assets. So I said, well, I'll create two communities, Exotic Car Hacks and Watch Trading Academy, that would focus heavily on basically everything that my first company, VIP Motoring, was about, except it wouldn't require $5 million capital. It would basically allow people to do it themselves at home. And it was a course product based on experience and 10 plus years of doing this. Uh, and so I basically gave that, uh, those proprietary tools to people to be able to educate themselves and have a competitive advantage against dealers, jewelers, and everyone else. Understanding that industry is an asset industry instead of looking at it as a kind of, oh, I'm buying a watch or a car. And, you know, about in 2014, everybody thought I was crazy because I was calling watches and cars investments online and they were like you have no idea what you're talking about these are liabilities and today both communities have well over 10,000 members you know and growing at rapid paces and we are the leading uh community in all terms for you know exotic car ownership uh as well as we are for uh when it comes to helping people learn the art of trading watches for profits i mean basically there's a lot of money to be made in the watch game Jewelers had a lot of opposition to what we were doing. Dealers had a lot of opposition. And now they kind of realized that we're not going anywhere. And we're really good at what we do. So it's kind of, we've become a force in that space. Besides that, I've also authored another two books, which were the trilogy to my first bestseller, one known as Radius. The other one is Gator Choice. And finally, I own basically a, a, a position in over 10 other businesses, everything from offline to tech to uh, other online platforms that uh, others may not know. but right basically that's it so i do a lot of things but one of the things i'll say that i do more than anything else is i practice everything i teach so as you know since you're in one of my communities everything that i teach today regardless that it's watches cars or anything are still something that i'm continuing to do i find that too many teachers teach only once they've left the field you know which makes it easy for them to basically say well this is how i became successful but even if times have changed now I'm just trying to get rich off of my course instead of doing what I'm doing. I still make significantly more money doing what I teach than the teaching itself. And I pride myself in that because for the last 10 years, I've always thought from experience, not thought from theory or post-retirement, you know, or stage that's like basically 10-year-old information. This is current information that is still ongoing, that is still being practiced by thousands of people, including myself. And I continue to lead the way doing that. Well. Uh... A, an average Joe will think about a car or a watch and they'll see an exotic car or a luxury car or an, or an exotic watch or a luxury, luxury watch and say to themselves, you know, that's not meant for me. That's mm -hmm. uh, something that's, that's unattainable. Mm -hmm. And you, with your courses, 
shift that mentality, that mindset into thinking, well, you know, something that is indeed luxurious or expensive or exotic can work for you or against you without denting your bank account. Um, not a lot of people want to make that jump or even attempt to understand what that really means. Um, it's like they get kind of put uh, brakes on, on their way of thinking. Uh, well, I think consumerism is an easy to understand a concept, right? And investments are not because consumerism is easy as in you make a purchase and then you accept that that purchase, regardless of where it goes, has a fun factor to it. And that's it. And that's how humans are trained, right? From the earlier days, we're trained to be conventional thinkers, like we're trained to follow guidelines. And one of the, I guess, uh, amount of resistance I ran into launching exotic car hacks and watch trading academies, it was geared towards a more conventional human being, right? Not a multi-million dollar investor like my previous firm was, which was focused on $5 million plus in investable assets, you know? So it was a very different model to try to bring to the mass market this understanding that consumerism is a disease. And basically it's a very dangerous disease because it drains your wallet and eventually it leaves you believing you're making the better of the two worst choices. Like we're taught that leasing is better than buying because ultimately we get a tax write-off. We're not thought about the ultimate loss. We're thought that it's better than the alternative because the alternative is worse. So it's like, here's bad idea. Here's worse idea. Which one do you want? You know, you want the bad idea. And that's how we've been trained to basically understand luxury goods from the beginning of time. You only spend what you can afford to spend or what you can buy 10 times over. If you can't afford it cash, you can't, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, these are the things we're taught as, as human beings throughout our, our decades of kind of upbringing that lead us to not question the fact that how are others doing what they're doing? Like, you know, one of the things that I, I get asked a lot is, hey, my, my neighbor, my best friend's cousin has a Lamborghini, but every six months he's got a new one. You know, why is he switching and losing money every six months? And I always ask, why do you assume he's losing money? And this is one of the key components is that the assumption is that luxury goods have this negative quotation between it. Uh, just let's take just the average of the thought of greed or the thought of just uh, that who needs a, a $200,000 watch, you know, does it really tell the time any different, but, but it has no correlation with telling the time. You know, I still read the time on my uh, phone rather than on this $200,000 watch. It doesn't change anything. Right. But that has never been the point. I mean, the point is that when you look at life from one perspective, you tend to become very narrow minded. Uh, and as a result of that, you think that you can only win in one field, you know? And one thing I've realized, cause I was, I was born fairly rich and I saw that side of it very early on in my life. And then I ended up very poor, right? Poor to the point where we lived in a basement, uh, and, and basically made just enough to eat. Right. And that basement wasn't even ours. And so one of the things that I, I learned through that was that, you know, the, the end goal is to obviously get rich when you're not rich. Right. But, but along the way are opportunities for you to basically hack your way through that. Meaning like the, you have to be resourceful when you lack resources. And one of the things that being in finance taught me very early was that, you know, people were leveraging loans to buy buildings, commercial real estate. You know, there were, I mean, this was early, you know, this was back in the two thousands, right? Not like where today everyone's teaching a course on wholesaling or something. You know, this was me seeing it from a worker standpoint where my customers were walking in. They're like, yeah, I have 10 million in the bank, but I'd like to get a $5 million loan. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, like you have, 
this money. Why not buy cash? Right. It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to put a hundred K down. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, and then, then the bank would approve these loans and they'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's just, that's great leverage for him. And I'm like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. So instead of saying, well, this is stupid or, or just attacking something I don't understand, I took a different stance to try to understand how someone that had something I didn't have was thinking about what they had, you know, because I was like the first thing, which at the time I wasn't a millionaire, right? Like I was like, Hey, I was fairly, at that point, I was still a working class person, you know, making 70, 80 K a year. And I'd said I was pretty good at 18, but still nowhere to be near a millionaire or anything else, especially when you have no assets or anything. And I looked at these people and I go, well, they are where I want to be. They have not only money for themselves, they have money to use, they have money to play, they have things. And, and they're thinking different than I am because when they walk in and say, hey, I have $10 million, but I want a $5 million loan, that makes sense to them. And it doesn't make sense to me. And I said, instead of fighting with the idea that to position them or say, you don't know something when they've done everything I haven't done yet, would be arrogant and ignorant, right? So I decided to do the opposite. I said, what is it that you know that I don't know? You know, what is it? Why do you think this way? Why do you have this thought about this bank? Like, why do you think this is good leverage when you're paying an interest rate on money that you have? Like, so I didn't understand these things. And, in, and like I said, instead of fighting it, I, I vowed to understand it. Uh, I, I even paid some of them $100 to have coffee with them, which was really funny because they thought I was going to pitch them something from the bank or sell them something. And I was like, I just want to understand. And the more I understood, the more I realized how ignorant I was towards things that I wasn't involved in. You know, and I think that that's the same thing for people when they see exotic cars or watches. That ignorance comes from basically going on a website for a Rolex and seeing that Rolex says that watch is 38,000 and next year seeing it's 38,000, but not realizing that that watch is near impossible to get because they've never gone through that process. Mm. And then not realizing that on the secondary market, meaning a used version of that same watch that can be bought at the store for 38,000 is selling for 90,000. Mm. So someone would argue, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Why would the used sell more than the new? You know, like that doesn't right. make sense to me. But that's not how the game works. Meaning looking at a game from the surface and saying the rules don't make sense to me just is the exact reason why most people prevent themselves from discovering life is because they don't want to understand why that behavior doesn't make sense to then allow it to make sense. You know, and if I break that down for someone that, hey, that watch is near impossible to get unless you're connected to so-and-so. So therefore, people will want it because they bet on watches the same way they bet on stocks. Most people buy stocks they don't know or understand or know nothing about the company, right? right. But they're buying stocks to basically make money. Right. And people are buying watches to make money the same way. When you see, when you see the watch game, the car hack game, and you're able to understand both arenas, it seems like you can apply that just about everywhere. Correct. And it's the, listen, yeah. the, that arena is not new either. People play stocks the same way, right? They bet for or against certain stocks. I mean, okay, to, to someone who's not a stock trader, they might be like, I don't understand what shorting a stock is or taking a position on a hedges or they just look at it like, I don't understand any of that stuff. You know, like that, I just understand you buy stock low, you sell high, right? <laughs> That, that's the average human being's sure. understanding of the stock market. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is conventional thinking means that you're leaving out 90% of the game. You're basically saying, I'll play the game as long as it's convenient to understand it and conventionally learn it. Sure. And, as a, and as a result of that, that means you're behind everyone else's thoughts, right? Because other people have tools, 
you know, understand how to use different levels of bets in different ways against certain stocks to really quadruple their portfolio. And I don't think you'll ever hear a person having become a billionaire off of conventional thinking. You know, I'll just sit here, take some positions, sit around, and hopefully in 10 years, I'll have an estate. Yeah, you know, I mean, that shit doesn't work anymore, right? Like, that's, that stuff is like, so like 2000 or 2001, you know, like, it just doesn't work. Right. There's people investing in Bitcoin who know nothing about Bitcoin, who don't even care about it. They just go, I think at 30, I'll go to 100. I think at 60, I'll go to like 2 million. Like, so I'll just do that. Right. They don't really care what crypto is. They don't really care about the, you know, the future of cryptocurrency. They, they don't, they could care less. Yeah. And, you know, I recently turned 39 and one of the lessons I put out, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, because each year I put out the 39 or 38 or 37 yeah. lessons based on the year. Uh, one of the lessons that I think I've learned throughout all these years of my life is that no one cares about their investments or what they're investing in. They only care about making money. Mm -hmm. And so I think that even people who make investments don't really give a shit about what they're investing in. Right. And I think that that's, I mean, no, nobody really cares if, you know, like this stock, uh, who's the CEO, how is he running the company? You know, like, does he have any complaints against him? Do they even look? I mean, I mean most people don't. Most people don't, but, but I mean, those that do and those that put in the research and find those hidden gems that are, you know, 10x, 100x. Right. You know, but that's not the majority of people, unfortunately. You know, that, that's why the majority of people aren't driving Lamborghinis, right? right? That's why while even if I'm even if I'm widely successful with my program to the point where three percent of the population buys an exotic car, you know, and versus one percent, right? It it still won't change the fact that it's the minority, meaning right. it is not the majority of people, right? Even though the same tools are available to all people, mm -hmm. you still have people today. That look at me and go buying a, a, a Rolex is a stupid investment. It's yeah. a loss of money. And I just look at that baffled, like on what basis does that, you know, statement come from? Right. And this is the, this is the issue is that we're so comfortable just understanding that we don't have to learn something new, right? The same reason that people stop their education past college or high school and just go, I'm going to go make money instead of I'm going to continue to educate myself and make money, right? Like the, these are things that I have to do and they fall victim to that mentality where they just stay stagnant, you know, in one field and they go, oh, well, the world's kind of passing me by. Other people are getting rich and I'm not. Right. Well, you know, um, my friends and, and acquaintances around town, they'll see me, you know, swap out cars every three, six months, a year. And, and some of them are left scratching their heads is like, what is this guy doing? I mean, he must be, he must be loaded. Uh, but the funny thing is that they can do it too. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do it. 100%. Just a, just a matter of making the commitment to learn something new and to take a different approach uh, in how you acquire things like, uh, like watches. Like I'm not in the watch game yet. Mm -hmm. um, but every time I see you make a post or somebody makes a post about a watch that they acquired. I, I, I'm like, you know what? It's not a watch that I see on their wrist. It's something that's going to make them money that I see on their wrist. It's an asset. It's, it's something that's going to appreciate. And whereas everybody else just thinks it's, Hey, it's a nice watch or Hey, that's a very God awful looking gaudy gold diamond encrusted watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, and if they don't understand, uh, then they don't understand, you know, I mean, like they, but they choose not to learn. That's the difference, right? Yeah. The, the choosing is where the difference comes in from those that succeed in these fields and those that don't. Are you, are you, uh, are you in crypto? 
I, I was in Bitcoin for a little bit, but nothing dramatic. Like I just get in and out whenever it's convenient to make a couple of bucks. But I'm personally, you know, one of my things is I, I always choose to focus on the things I understand while I learn new things, right? But one of the focal points of being really good at something is to not be involved in too many things. Yeah. And, and because I have a lot of investment vehicles now that make me a very healthy ROI, you know, uh, there's a lot of speculative play that can be done in Bitcoin or in crypto that certainly is very valuable. I see it today as like, hey, there's money, there's new money in these trading cards and this and that. Sure. But I also believe that for me to be efficient investor in any field, I have to be willing to devote time and education to understanding how my money is going to work. Right. And I think too many people don't do that. Yeah. So in the play of crypto, I do it in a way that's more like in and out rather than having a long term strategy, because to be honest with you, I'm not that savvy in it to understand the risk factors. And I haven't had time to break it down as much for myself. And therefore, I choose to retain my focus on the investment vehicles that I'm very good at. Right. right on. Um, PJ, how can people find you? How can people uh, real simple? I mean, yeah, the, the easiest way to find me is to follow me either on Instagram. I create millionaires or uh, to go to learnfrompj.com. It's as simple as one, two, three. Um, I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, and this is a question that I ask all my guests that come on the show. What do you want? What I want out of life? Or what do I want out of it, it, uh, However you want to interpret it, what do you want? I, I think I, I'd like to live in a world where more people uh, pay attention to, to themselves more than anything else. I think just like everything we've talked about today, education is only a piece of that. And I think that uh, if I look at my life work and legacy, it has nothing to do with cars, watches, and everything to do with consciousness, awareness, and self-awareness. And I think that all of these things play into it. People too long have separated their well-being from money, you know, and, and have misunderstood the point and, and the leverage that money creates. I wish more people did that. I wish more people paid attention. Uh, I think that one of the core themes I've used across the board and all the podcasts have been on and everything else, people always ask me, what's one piece of advice you have for them? And it's you always pay attention. And, and I think if more people paid attention, we'd live in a better world and would live in a more conscious world, one where we would get more done collectively or individually and individually holds just as much weight. Okay. All right. How about just for you? Uh, that's a tough question because I already have everything I want. <laughs> <laughs> Most there's people all, there's always more. There's always more. There's always, there's more. always more. I, but know, I, think I know that for the material part of life, you've got that dialed in pretty, yeah, very no. good. So okay. no complaints right. from my house to my cars to anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's always but there's always more, right? You know, yeah. there but there really isn't though. That's the thing. Like I think, when I didn't have money, I always wanted money. Then I got money to a degree. Then I was like, I want more money. And then I got to a place where I realized that I live for the experience of what I create, and more money won't create a better experience or create a different one that I can already create. So I've gotten, I've accumulated enough money to be in that position. Yeah. So I don't need more money, meaning it's great if it comes, it's not a mandatory part of my existence. Now, what I want is to experience better things on a continuous basis. And I do that already. That's why it's hard to say, is there something I want that I don't have? Because everything I want to experience, I already take in my own accountability to do. If I really want to experience like, living in the desert for a month just to see what it's like. I go book a hotel somewhere where 
it's in the middle of the desert, you know, and I, and I figure out how to do that. Meaning it's always uh, about the no, no, no PJ junior. Oh, they're coming soon enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm engaged now. Not, I, I was married before and I uh, got divorced because I, I just couldn't see myself having children with that person. But uh, like very soon, hopefully that's part of the reason why I'm retiring next year is because I want to focus a little bit more on kind of that aspect of my life. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore I don't believe I can give, business my 100% if I don't, uh, or, or my family 100% vice versa. And I think that that's kind of what the point of money is to buy yourself the time freedom you need so you can spend time however wish you want. Freedom, the freedom yeah. being the key. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm going to end the recording right now uh, on my end. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put it in the show notes where people can find you and, and learn about the various programs and books that you have to offer. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the JJ show brought to you by karate beyond discipline, focus, confidence, karatebeyond.com. <laughs>